0: Everyone has some sort of a closet that has become too small. A closet is no place to live, and I want to support as many people as I can in stepping out of that prison into the fullness of life that is waiting for them on the other side of that door. This is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching. Join me in listening to these coming out chronicles. Get curious about their stories and then go see what good things are waiting for you on the other side of your closet door. I've always felt called to be a mom. And in some ways, I feel like I've gotten to experience that a few different times before actually birthing children. One of the ways I did that was by being a youth pastor. For a few years, I lived on the Sunshine Coast in Sechelt, B.C., and had these amazing kids that I got to work with. And one of them was Rochelle. And she was this spunky eighth grade kid with some attitude, but was so fun and so engaging. And whatever she came up with, the kids would often be like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And I've had 15 years of watching her life and seeing her transform her pain and the things that she's gone through as a kid into beautiful things as an adult and i'm so excited that you get to hear what she's done with her life lately and the coming out that she has done the brave coming out that she has done so rochelle tell us a little bit about yourself who you are what you're up to in the world Mm.
1: All right. Um, I'm Rasha McEwen. I am a lot of things, I feel like. (laughs) I'm a professional dancer. I run a dance studio in the Kootenays. I'm also a mom of two who are under five, and that keeps me super busy. I'm a wife, and most recently, I launched my life coaching which is like empowerment coaching for women.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Thank you. So I'm so curious to hear what is the nature of the coming out story that you're going to share with us today?
1: Okay. So for me, my coming out story, I feel like I have a lot of these. So it was kind of hard to narrow them down. Um, I moved pretty fast in my life. And that means that I'm constantly uncovering things to push through and boundaries to break. But one of the most pivotal ones has um, been coming out about growing up in childhood trauma. And so that one started last summer when I had this calling in my heart that I wanted to tell my story publicly about growing up with Um, a father who was abusive and suffered from addiction and mental health and how that affected me. But, um, I didn't really know how to tell it. I had, I'm an artist and a dancer. So I was like, you know what? I think maybe I'll create a dance around it. I was working with a life coach and a business coach last year. And I started to work through a lot of my own crap (laughs) that was actually holding me back in my own business. And so I had this idea to host a adult dance recital, essentially, because I do the kids recitals all the time for my studio, but I didn't know where to start or what to do with it. And then I also was paired with this idea of telling people about my trauma. And so it just fit really well in this time when I had these two ideas to marry them together. And I decided that I would record my trauma story and then put it to music and then dance to it. And it was really great that I wanted to do this adult performance because that type of story had no place in any events that were happening locally, I was like, there is no way I can fit this into a burlesque show and then <laughs> throw it on them <laughs> that they're like, Oh, listen to this story about domestic violence. So I, um, started to work towards a place where I would be confident enough to tell my own story, which was really vulnerable, but then also this really big insurmountable mountain of having to put out an investment to try and host the biggest event I've ever put on. So I began first with pairing up with a friend. And I called her and told her about my plan. And I kind of just like, I committed to it, but I was a little bit one foot in and one foot out. And for months I just like played with the idea and was still a little bit small, but I didn't record anything. I didn't work on anything. I just was like, this is an idea I have. Let's do it.
0: (sighs) What prompted you to have that stirring initially that you wanted to share your story?
1: When I was working with my business coach, um, I had recognized that I was not super in tune with my own intuition. And that was one of the things that she was kind of guiding me with. It's I completely started a business coach and then it became so much more. (laughs) And so I think as she guided me to understanding what my purpose was and to listen to the callings on my heart, this had been there for a long time that I wanted to use this story to help other people. But I hadn't, I had always kind of told it to be quiet because any time that people had spoke out about trauma, I had heard about, um, I don't even know if backlash is the right word, but just pushback that there was like, there's always that looming thing of like, or maybe it was because I grew up in it that it was supposed to be kept in our house. And so that was kind of there that it was like, that's a private story and you handle that privately. So even though I was like, I want to help people, I admire these big names that are telling their stories to transform other people's lives. I don't know that I can do that. And so that was a really big obstacle to overcome that. Maybe it wasn't for me and I just needed to tell this story to help someone else. And that was really what got me through that initial, this is silly. I don't need to do this. I was like, if I have this on my heart, someone needs to hear it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I can really identify with that. I think Even in my own life, even recently been leaning more and more into that of, I have this queer story in my life and I was raised Christian and you're not supposed to look at that or be that and pray it away. And so just be quiet about it. But recognizing like there's a lot of people that need to hear that they don't have to divorce their faith to fully embody their sexuality. And so... I need to speak that out, but it's scary. I totally get that, that it goes against our conditioning.
1: Absolutely. And Christian conditioning to not lean on your own understanding is like one of the things that I was told many times growing up Christian. And so when I started to tune into my intuition, and that's my own understanding, I was like, well, that can't be right. (laughs) So I had to unlearn and relearn how to be like, no, trust yourself. You you know what's best for your business and what's best for yourself. You need to take these steps that you think are aligned with you.
0: Was there a moment that felt really pivotal to actually put it out there?
1: So after I had um decided that I was gonna do it, I hadn't done any work towards it yet. I hadn't put any deposits down on this space to rent for my event. All the work had kind of been behind the scenes, talking to people, feeling it out, but it wasn't like, there was nothing concrete. I could totally backdoor myself and just run away <laughs> if I had decided to. Um, and then there was a, the the friend that I was working with, Rebecca Voros, she's a good friend of mine. She was agreed to do kind of all my detail stuff because she is so good at paperwork. Mm-hmm. And I am very good at being the artist I am. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want unicorns and fireworks. And she's like, you need a liquor license, girl. I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So good to have those people in our lives as creatives. Uh,
1: <laughs> so helpful. So she was hosting a, a, um, a women's conference, like a month later after I had told her about my idea, but it was in Kelowna, which is a four hour drive for me. And I am from a small, small town, from um, and I, it's like one stoplight. So for me to drive four hours to a bigger city from where I am right now was actually like really scary and overwhelming. But if I wanted to go to her conference and support her because she was going to support my event, I needed to like pull up my big girl booties and just get in this car and drive myself there and i was hoping at this event there would be some sort of nugget that would give me confidence to keep moving forward um so i got in my car by myself and i downloaded marie forleo's audiobook <laughs> nice. and i made sure i ate before cuz i was super anxious about driving alone
0: and it's like treacherous mountain roads too isn't it
1: it is yeah with lots of wildlife so yeah. i was like But what's even more funny, just coming from a background that I did, and I'm so scared of confrontation, that mattered less to me. I was way more scared of messing up and someone being like road ragey at me. And then I'd have to face them. That was, Hmm. at the time, that was such a big fear. And I'm, I will get to how that has, I've totally gone from this place, but that was really scary in my head. Hmm. And so I ended up driving to Kelowna and going to this conference. And I noticed that every, like, even every kilometer, every five minutes that I drove, it got easier and easier and easier. And I was like, oh, this is so not as bad as I thought it would be. These roads are not as terrifying as I saw them in my dreams. These people on the roads look pretty friendly. Like, (laughs) My car is doing what it's supposed to do. There's no Elks that are blocking my path. And so I got there, I drove around Kelowna, downtown, went to the conference, had an absolute blast and then drove home. And right when I got back into town that same day, I went and drove to the recreational center and put the deposit down (laughs) on my event. Because I had this mantra in my head now that I can do scary things and they're not as scary as I think they are. Yeah. So it was a super, what I thought was a super unrelated fear, but it was just such a tangible thing to be like, I could then hold on to that and be like, remember that time you drove and mm-hmm. it just wasn't that bad? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the an- anticipation of the thing is always worse than the actual doing of it. Eh? Totally. Did you get something from the conference then that really spurred you on?
1: I think it was less about what was said and it was more that the women on the stage that were speaking, I felt the pull, like I was a little bit envious and I've learned that envy is a great thing to lean into because it tells us where we desire to go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if they're on stage speaking and I want to do that, I need to be doing things that will get me closer to that and so it was less about what they were saying and more just them showing up as they were and I was like yes that's what I want to I want to be in that circle
0: yeah that's so awesome that's so wise that you knew that about envy too to lean in and do something that creates the life you want now so that you have the life you want later This episode of The Coming Out Chronicles was brought to you by Centered Life Coaching. We help you know yourself, to free yourself, and be yourself, so you can live the fullest expression of who you really are. Stay tuned, there's more to come in this episode.
1: So the supports that were really incredible to me, Um, Like I said, that business coach at the time was huge. Um, She was super helpful in so many ways that I just did not even expect. And um, I have an incredible support system. I've always been really good at connecting to people and asking for help. And that's been huge. But one of the things that I um, found was maybe the biggest most pivotal moment was that I couldn't find the people in my direct circle that I wanted to emulate as much as I could go to the internet and find them. So I started to like just consume things by Rachel Hollis and Marie Forleo and these people that I found really inspiring. And I just consumed everything they had for me. Mm -hmm. And it's where I learned so much of those perspectives that just shifted my entire world and really deep seated belief that I was made to do more things and people needed to hear my story. Hmm. Um, Marie Forleo has this, um, saying about comparison and about how, like, I actually, am not even going to do it justice, but just that you can't even, it's all been done before and it can't, you can't compare yourself to anyone else because it hasn't been done by you. And you're going to do it in such a different way. And that's kept me going as an artist. And many, many times when I'm like, this isn't good enough or it's been done before. I just, she says it's all been repeated. Like Shakespeare wasn't even the first time he wrote those stories. And even like now the greats that you read are all the same themes. It's why we can predict scary movies but we still watch them because they have a twist to them and they have uniqueness. So even when I was going to put on my trauma story, I'm like, well, people have heard domestic violence before. It's not new, but I'm like, you know, they haven't heard it by me. And maybe it's my story that they need to hear to shift something inside of them. Hmm. Um, And in case it wasn't, I ended up pairing with, two other amazing women and I interviewed their stories alongside mine because I understood that my perspective as a child would be very different than someone in an intimate relationship. Mm. And so I, I was able to find two women who were super brave and vulnerable with me. And they recorded their stories with exactly the same intention that they were like, if this can just help one person, I'm there. Mm -hmm. And so we had three stories in total and I ended up having five dancers with myself in this piece. I was the only one that performed a personal story. Everyone else was performing someone else's, but it was, yeah, it was totally exceeded my expectations by the amount of people that came back to me. And even some of the comments of like, I would have never called my, my parent abusive until I heard your story and then found like there were parts of it that I could relate to so closely that I wouldn't be able to ignore now that that would have been traumatic as a kid. Wow. Yeah. So that was really powerful.
0: Mm -hmm. So they could hear you talking, telling your story and music and dancing. Is that how, how it was? Right.
1: Yeah. So it would wow. be my story, just like almost a podcast with music in the background mm-hmm. and then dancing it out. Exactly.
0: It's wow. incredible. And so, what beautiful things opened up from you doing that?
1: Oh, so many. <laughs> um, really related to the dancing. I have a very flourishing adult dance branch of my studio. Wow. So I have like 50 adults that dance now.
0: That's all new from that. It's
1: all new. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I think before we had, I dabbled a little bit and I had like 10 here or there in other shows, but it just totally exploded. People were so excited to cultivate dance with me, which was so cool. Um, I also found like, in a really tangible way, after I broke through this, my revenue in my business increased like 400%. Like it was just ridiculous amounts of, because I, one of the things that i had from my childhood was when you have a parent that has an addiction, you grow up with not a lot of money because so much of that energy whether their money's going towards the addiction or they just don't have the energy to go to work and, and save their money and do all that. So I had a very scarce mindset about money and I didn't spend any of it. And it's a really great strength, but I know some of our strengths be your greatest weaknesses mm-hmm. too. So with it unchecked, I'm really frugal. Like I'm like, Oh, these, Panties are getting holes in them. Are they just crotchless panties now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a thong. <laughs> so, once I started to put money into things that were risky or I deemed risky in my business, which was like, I'm going to try and put this show on, or I'm going to try and run a class in this space that costs more. Or I'm going to hire a teacher. It just it blew hmm. um, doors open for my business, which was huge. Um, And then I think most importantly, it's led me to where I'm going next, which is the um, coaching. And I have just launched that. And already it's been super fulfilling to be able to share all this learning that I've been doing over the years. And it gave me the confidence to launch my coaching. But the coaching gave me this perspective to see my transformation so I could tell people about the trauma story but in back in November when that show released I couldn't quite see how far I'd come from being that child that grew up in that circumstance Hmm. I still felt a lot like I had lingering things about like just lots of lingering patterns and behaviors that I hadn't overcome yet. And when I launched my coaching career and started telling people the things I've learned, I was able to look back with this new perspective. It was like, I am not the same person I was. I used to have disordered eating and that, although sometimes that is something that like creeps back in I eat very, very well now and very nutritiously and happy and shame-free. Mm-hmm. And oh, back to the to circle back. This is a really good one. That point of driving, like being afraid of someone having road rage, I used to not be able to look at men in the eyes, mm-hmm. even if they were giving me kindness, like if they were giving me a compliment and I looked at them in the eyes. I would feel like I would start to cry. It was Mm. so overwhelming, the confrontation. Wow. And that comes from my dad not being a safe person. And I found masculine energy extremely intimidating. Mm -hmm. So when I launched my coaching and I could look back and say, I used to be this way, I was like, right. I don't do that anymore. I actually really embrace confrontation and I have deepened relationships with men that I would have never been able to embrace prior to that transformation Hmm. because I was so closed off and so armored up against them.
0: How has that changed your relationship with your husband?
1: (laughs) So, so incredibly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think one of the biggest ones is we were in a super codependent relationship and i had learned that it coming from a place where i lived in a home where i was the role i adapted was the peacekeeper and I was a, I'm the littlest, I'm the youngest. And so as a child, no one fought around me. If my dad was mad, I would just jump in, be cute and little and blonde hmm. and it would just dissipate. And so I brought that into my marriage unknowingly hmm. and I felt really powerless and I just would adapt a peacekeeping role. So anytime I had a need that would conflict with my husband's need, I would decide that his need was more important than mine. And it was better and safer for me to adapt to his need and have mine like, and be uncomfortable than for him to be upset or mad at me.
0: Right.
1: So tangibly that would look like if I wanted to go for something as simple as a walk And I asked, and I would, and there, right there, I would have asked permission. Basically, Mm -hmm. I would have said, is it okay if I go for a walk? And I, granted, we have babies together, so you do have to kind of coordinate. Yeah, that's
0: a weird (laughs) space. Hey, Am I asking for permission or am I being courteous and respectful of co-parenting? Yeah, I hear
1: you. So at that time, I definitely would have been asking permission and... If he said yes, but even with a little bit of discomfort in his tone of voice, I was so hyper vigilant that I would hear that and I'd be like, immediately my brain would jump from I wanted to do that to deciding it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. And there was just no way that was worth coming home to discomfort.
0: Right.
1: Or and even so, if you went on
0: your walk, you wouldn't enjoy it because you never know what's going to be at home.
1: Mm-hmm. And it really did him a big disservice because he was never, he's never been an unsafe person, but I was putting that on him Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So it, he always felt really targeted that I was treating him. If he got mad, I wasn't allowing space for his anger either. And so if I went on this walk and I'd come back and he was upset or inconvenienced, I would blow that way out of proportion and feel like he was totally angry with me and melt down. And he felt like he couldn't even be inconvenienced ever. And I just wanted to rescue him all the time. And then I was really resentful when I had to rescue him from his emotions. <laughs> right. Even though he didn't ask me to do it. <laughs> and so the transformation has been um, incredible. Like that That's one of the topics that I'm diving into in my coaching program is codependency because it's, it's really heavy and, and there's a lot there to unpack, Mm -hmm. but the transformation essentially is that I've learned where my needs end and where someone else's begin. And I can set that boundary and say, you're upset, but it's not mine to take on. And I still have a need and I'm going to, um, find a way to satisfy this need that doesn't hurt you. And we can kindly come to a balance together. And that's been, it also allowed him space to grow into the husband that I have always dreamed of because now he's extremely supportive because I'm not always resentful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how people change when we change.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, That um, I would definitely now like. I often tell people that I have an exceptional marriage, and that is not something that I would have been able to say Hmm. five years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. So, your next coming out chapter is your coaching. Is that kind of what feels like the most exposing coming up?
1: Yes, I definitely think that's the next one. Um, It's the focus of my coaching, I think is, and I say, I think, because it's so in its infancy, Mm -hmm. which is really fun because I get to be really curious about all the things that come up. Um, But my jam for myself and others has kind of been recognizing destructive patterns and toxic patterns and then how to change that into something healthy and wholehearted essentially. And one of the greatest parts of that has been helping people recognize trauma that just, I realize that it's a little bit of a blessing coming from something so traumatic because no one would ever look at it and go, Oh, that wasn't trauma. Cause you're, I can very much be like, my mom was hit. And that's so easy to put a hand to like literally and just be like, yeah, I can pinpoint where that happened. Mm -hmm. But for many people, trauma looks like something so insignificant to other people that they don't even want to say that it bothered them. Mm -hmm. And that's been really, really amazing to jump into people. It's um, been really exposing for myself because I have still so many patterns in my own life. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is perfectionism that I try to overcome that I'm never going to be perfect. And I'm never going to not have, um, let's change that from a double negative. I always will have patterns that I want to grow into. Um, so it's been interesting to kind of make sure that I'm always walking the talk.
0: <laughs> yeah. I th- what happens think... if you don't? Um.
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be. Okay. Well, let's. I don't know if this will answer it, but one of my biggest things that I've recognized as of late is how much I connected my worth and I do to my work and how much I can do. And that means I'm worthy or how much I can learn and offer other people. And so I've been guided. I think it's Dave Hollis that says, like, how do you feel about yourself when you're by yourself? And so I think really, as long as I'm aligned with my truest self, then I feel good about coaching other people because that's essentially, Mm -hmm. I don't want to tell them what to do. I just want them to be able to figure out how to silence the noise of all the shame and judgment and society and the conditioning that we've been going and passed down to us and all the ancestral patterns that have put on us that wasn't ours to bear I want to help them set those things down and decide, or not even decide, but tune in and listen to what do I need? What is it that my heart is calling me to? What is it that I want in my life and my core values? And how do I get there?
0: Mm -hmm. You've seen firsthand the value of listening to your own intuition and... Once you, once that opens up, it's like, I want everyone to have this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have one other question for you. In coming out journeys, it can often be hard, the ripple effect of your coming out and how it affects other people in your life. And so I've wondered how it was for your mom for you to come out with this story.
1: When I um, first decided to start to come out with this story, I put a Facebook video on and that was one of the hardest parts of the coming out was actually not performing the event on stage because I knew my marketing would attract the people that wanted to be there to see it but on Facebook it was very open to everyone which meant it was open to family members and friends and strangers and so when I put this video on I actually cried in my video because I was like so vulnerable telling people what this show was about and I called my mom after and I told her what I was doing and she was super supportive and she was like this is your story. Um, whatever you want to say, you, you can own it. And, Mm -hmm. um, which was really, really helpful and incredible because it was definitely something I was worried about. I was very careful about trying to stick in my, like stay in my own lane and not tell too much of her own story and just tell it from my perspective and my point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, and when the show when it came showtime, my brother and my mom were both in the audience, hmm. which was really cool. Yeah. And it was kind of funny. Cause even after I was like, I don't know if I remembered all that correctly. And my brother's like, I kind of remember things differently, but it's okay. Like we even just kind of laughed and bickered about it. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, just one of those things that it, um, I'm, I hope that it brought healing for them too. Mm-hmm. And, but I really tried to stay from, speak what I knew and what, yeah, what was on my heart rather than trying to overstep and tell their stories for them.
0: Right. That makes sense.
1: Um, I do know, though, like from my mom, she was telling people about what I was doing and that opened up conversations for her with mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Yeah. And one of the other things that had happened was when I posted the videos and the marketing for the show and about telling people like the promo videos and things like that, I had massive amounts of comments below about people that were like, this is something I went through or I'm a domestic violence survivor. And from what I know about shame, like that's the quickest way Mm -hmm. to just bust through shame. And that's one of the biggest reasons that women stay in domestic violence situations is because they're the shame and the judgment of society is so great and so stifling. Mm-hmm. So that in itself can be really healing. Yeah. Just the me too part of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Speaking out loud, your mm-hmm. story has helped them speak out loud their story. Story,
1: Which is why I was able to do it because of the brave people that have come before me.
0: Yeah. Same. Yeah. That's That's such a key part of coming out, I think, is seeing someone else do it. And it's a lot of why I'm doing this podcast, because I want other people to hear other coming out stories and then be empowered to do their own. Yeah.
1: I love that you have the spin on the coming out, that it's not strictly just when you're coming out as um, in a same-sex relationship or in sexuality. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to see that we're all human. We're all connected. We all go through similar things. It looks different, but there's so much commonality in it that we can understand each other's stories.
1: Definitely. More alike than we are different.
0: Mm-hmm. So if someone heard their own story in yours and maybe wants to do some coaching with you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Yeah, Facebook is definitely the best one right now. So I'm just Rochelle McEwen on there. It's my business page. And I have a super awesome Facebook group attached to that business page called hashtag goal bigger, like bigger, like B-I-G-G-E-R. And it's a fantastic um, group just filled with really inspiring women who want to level up in their life in some way. And often that means uncovering the parts of our life that are holding us back and want to work towards. So it's a free group. If anyone wants to join
0: that. Awesome! Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being brave today and sharing your story with us. And I know that's going to speak to many people.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. And I think it was, will play a big part of my next coming out. <laughs> In retrospect, I'll look back and go, wow,
0: <laughs> I did that hard thing.
1: I did that hard thing, that scary thing.
0: Awesome. Thanks for listening to The Coming Out Chronicles. If you enjoyed it and you think it would be helpful for someone else, please share it with them. If you'd like to connect with me, reach out on social. I'd love to support you in the next chapter of your coming out story. I can help you know yourself, free yourself, and be yourself. Until next time, this is Nancy Shadlock from Centered Life Coaching.